Hello and welcome to another edition of the Scarl Nation podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Agonis, joined by Bobby Darren, as the Scarl Knights are now 3-0 on the season uh, with wins over Northwestern, Temple, and most recently, Virginia Tech. Up next, the schedule gets a lot more difficult. Scarl Knights hit the road for the first time this season, and they'll head to Ann Arbor to take on number two, Michigan. Not going to be an easy matchup at all for the Scarl Knights. Bobby, really a pivotal point in the season. Now you get into a, a tougher part of the schedule. And I think we're going to learn a lot more about, uh, you know, just how much progress progress Rutgers has made this year. Yeah, definitely. And and what, what better way to find out against one of the best teams in the country. And, you know, let's not forget Michigan was very close to playing for a national championship last year. You know, that wild game against TCU on new year's Eve uh, could have really went either way. And um, so, so this is, you know, a matchup against, you know, arguably the best of the best. Um, We'll see Michigan kind of stumbled out of the gates in terms of not really, you know, just, just thumping their first three opponents and and their scores, Chris, were relatively similar to to Rutgers scores in the first three games, but they get Jim Harbaugh back. Now we'll see if that makes a difference, but you know, just a lot of talent across the board and it'll be interesting to see where Rutgers is because this is a, is a good measuring stick. Yeah, and I do think it's a good measuring stick. I also think it's worth pointing out, and we'll get more into the matchup in a second. Um, out of the big three opponents, um, if you want to call them that in the Big Ten, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, just the teams that are consistently year in and year out among the top 15 or so teams in college football, um, this is the one matchup where I think Rutgers has looked closest to pulling off the win. Um, mm-hmm. before you talk about that 2020 triple overtime, just crazy game that, that we had. Um, but then the next year at Ann Arbor, last time they played in the stadium, that was a one score game, 20 to 13. Uh, and a couple things go differently. You know, maybe Rutgers comes away victorious and that Michigan college football playoff team ends up taking a very different path. Um, and even last year, you know, Rutgers was in a game with Michigan at the half. And then, you know, in the third quarter, had a hard time keeping uh, the football, protecting the football, and it kind of got away from them. But They've shown signs of being able to compete against even very good, like you said, last year's team almost made the national title game and Rutgers was in that game. So I, I do think um, it's noteworthy that this is the team out of those three that Rutgers has looked the closest to putting it together against. Yeah. And, and you know, everybody keeps saying, when is, is Rutgers going to get competitive against those elite? And you're starting to see it against Michigan. Now, how will that translate into this year? I don't know, because, you know, you could say, uh, you know, past years they've done this, but it, it is a different team. But it, it's tough to ignore that that track record a little bit, you know. So, uh, you know, is Michigan's offense finally going to get it all together? Uh, is the team going to play better because of Harbaugh? Is the team going to overlook Rutgers? You know, we'll find out on Saturday, but it makes for an intriguing matchup. And, um, you know, Rutgers, nobody's really given them a chance. So no matter what they come out of this, if they can come out and, and give them a game, be competitive, I, I mean, it's all going to be positives. Uh, so you're still 3-0 and coming out of the gates. And, you know, after Michigan, you're going you're gonna to beat Wagner. I mean, think you and I could probably put together a team and beat Wagner in the parking lot. No, <laughs> so um, you know it, it's a good start to the season, but it will get a lot tougher. And I know um, Rutgers is off to to a good start, built a lot of momentum, showed a lot of progress, and you know we'll see what happens when they when they uh, kick off on Saturday, Chris. Yeah, and I think um, I'm interested in seeing just how the different position groups uh, match up because you know you look at. 
you know, the job Rutgers has done defensively and, you know, just look at the top line numbers, they're among the better teams in the country uh, in terms of the points they've allowed and, and the yardage they've mm-hmm. allowed in, in, in that respect. Um, but of course, Michigan's a much different beast compared to the three teams that Rutgers uh, have played so far. Uh, so, Bobby, I'm actually curious to get your thoughts. You know, out of the matchups that you see on in this uh, matchup, uh, what stands out to you? What do you think if there is a key matchup to determining, you know, how much of a chance Rutgers has in this game? Uh, what matchup is it, and why? I think you're looking at the Rutgers offensive line against the Michigan defensive line. You know, Rutgers offensive line has only allowed one sack this season and, you know, got a lot of rushing yards, but, you know, it didn't, it wasn't off the bat, just dominant runs. You know, they, they kind of wore teams down going into the late stages and, you know, Kyle Manungai taking over late, as you saw against, or as we saw against uh, Virginia Tech in his most recent hundred yard game. But, I felt like, you know, at Temple, they they, they leaned on them and, and wore them out. And the same with Northwestern. And I don't think they're going to be able to wear this Michigan team out. You know, looking at their top seven defensive tackles, there's one guy under 300 pounds. It's 296 pounds. And, and the rest are they're big guys in the middle. And they're athletic and they're explosive. And and it, I have a tough time seeing some of the, the, the Rutgers guys being able to go toe-to-toe with them. You know, you can scheme up all the game plans you want and all the plays, but if you can't win that battle at the line of scrimmage in the trenches, uh, all those plays are all for naught. It just comes down to physics, Chris, and and they have the advantage there. So I'm curious to see how Kirk Soraka tries to, you know, maneuver and, and what he calls and how do you get around that? Because this is just a stout front and um, th- th- this defense is, you know, it's, it's being billed as one of the best and that, that we've seen in a minute. So um, I, how are they going to move them? I don't know. You know, you have some right tackle, you have Kamar Missouri and, um, you know, uh, Taj White in there in first time starters, first time really playing significant reps. And you're going against one of the best defenses. I just, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, but if they can somehow start to move the football and keep it on the ground, I think that in itself will be a tremendous accomplishment bar what the final score is, Chris. Uh, you know, if you can start to show some some. uh you know, movement on the ground game against Michigan. I mean, then it really sets up for a good rest of the season. But uh, I think that's to me, that's my biggest key. If you can't win that line of scrimmage, then you have to force Gavin Wimsett in the third and longs throwing the ball. And, you know, it, it could be a long day and it, it couldn't all be, it might not be all be on him because we haven't seen his receivers really have breakout days uh, too much through the course of the season. Uh, so, you know, it, it could be a long day if they can't win that battle with the line of scrimmage, Chris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I largely agree with that. I do think um, it's worth pointing out and not to take anything away from, you know, Michigan's front seven and and just the size they have there. Um, But of course, size is not the only factor here. I do think this offensive line has gelled a lot better to start off this year. Um, I think Mm -hmm. Coach Pat Flaherty has done a pretty good job with that group to start off as, you know, we kind of suspected he would. Um, so I do think the potential is there to maybe not win the battle outright, but I do think that Rutgers could hold its own there. And, and, you know, if you've got, you know, common guys had a pretty good start to the season. Um, you could see more of, you know, Sam Brown, Aaron Young is working his way back. You might see more of them, uh, in this one. We'll have to see. Um, but I, I do think that you could potentially see Rutgers sort of, um, you know, try to, 
work some different things in the playbook. You know, when you're going up against, especially down the stretch against Virginia Tech and Temple, where you kind of sense that the opposing defenses um, were kind of running out of gas. Um, that was when Rutgers was really able to break off those big runs and, you know, really just wear them out. I don't think we're going to see that at any point against Michigan. Uh, at least I'd be shocked if we do. Um, but I think mm-hmm. if uh, Rutgers can be a little more consistent in the get-go compared to prior years, you know, like you said, if, if you get Gavin in you know, those more manageable third and four um, situations or, you know, pick up a couple first downs just on the ground, um, I don't think – uh, Rutgers is going to want to be in a position where Gavin has to throw the ball 40 times. I don't think that Rutgers considers that the best way to win this game. And I think, um, like you said, Bobby, if the matchup in the trenches doesn't go Rutgers way, it's going to be a long afternoon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think Gavin can pick up some yards on the ground too, but I'd be careful about how much I would run him because uh, you want to get out of this game healthy with him healthy. Um, you saw what he did last week on the ground against Virginia Tech, and you know Rutgers doesn't have a quarterback that can do that with their legs right now. So um, he's very valuable. He might only had seven of seven of sixteen passing, but you know he, he you know almost rushed for a hundred yards last week and and had that big touchdown run. Um, he's you know, he's invaluable in, in that regard. So they need to keep him healthy in this game because you saw how, how much more effective he is when, when he's got good wheels. You know, he played the last five games of last year without, you know, being 100%. And, and it impacted his game greatly. So um, I'd be careful with how much I run it. If, if, if Sam Brown can get back into a flow and no, no not taking away anything from uh, what Kyle Manungai has done, but Brown is, you know, a, another the asset that they can use on the offensive side of the football. So um, if they can get something going there, it, it'll be big and it'll, it'll be great for their confidence. And, and um, I also think that Chris, they, they're going to need to, to win the takeaway battle and get some turnovers. And they, and they can't, as you saw in the second half last year against Michigan, they gave the ball away and they paid dearly. So uh, you have to win Just to stay in it. You have to win the turnover battle. You have to get some turnovers. And, and Greg Schiano has emphasized that uh, we've seen in practice, how much he, emphasizes that i mean they, they spend a lot of time on working on takeaways and that's going to have to be a major part of this game to to compensate for for that talent gap that i spoke about uh, a little while ago yeah you're going to need to see some impact plays i think um not just mm-hmm. in terms of the defense but also you know block kicks um a block yeah. kick especially early in this game i think that could be a momentum shift you know if you mm-hmm. can work a play like that um and, and get on the board first maybe you know, that kind of puts Michigan a little bit on the back foot. It kind of gets the pressure up a little bit. Uh, this is a fan base that does not expect to be, to be honest, just from the way the mindset is, does not expect to be trailing to Rutgers, given the recent history in this matchup at any point in the game. So I think if Rutgers get out to an early lead, I think you're going to see the energy in that building, you know, get a little quieter, if you know what I mean. And I think that's something that could potentially work in Rutgers' favor. Um, another thing that I, I think is is interesting and something that Greg Shana mentioned in his Monday presser is, you know, we look I think fans often look at Gavin Wimsett's uh, performance just in how many completions did he have? How many yards did he have? And, you know, and just sort of keying in on those. But of course, it's a team game. Uh, the receivers have to catch the ball as much as, you know, uh, Wimsett has to throw the ball accurately. Um, and, you know, and he said, uh, looking back at his uh at his transcript, um, you know, he said, quote, he had some bad luck Saturday. He had three drops and two route errors, two route busts. So, um, you know, it just looked a little out of sync against Virginia Tech. But the flip side of that is if you work those issues out, not just against Michigan, but down the stretch, I think you could see, um, you know, 
Gavin Wimsett's potential to produce more go up as the season goes on. Right. And, you know, a couple of those passes were intended for Kyle Manungai, who as good of a runner he's been, you know, he, that's more of his, his bread and butter as opposed to pass catching. Ian Strong dropped one, you know, he's freshman, true freshman in there. And, you know, it's part of the growing pains. And Jaquay Jackson was not on the same page with Gavin Wimsett. And, you know, you hope that they get that worked out. But, you know, that's something with bringing in a new receiver. You know, they, they haven't played together a ton. So um, you, you hope that they can work out their issues and and all get on the same page. And, uh, you know, they're going to need some receivers to come up with some big plays because they're going to play a tough defense with some tough uh, defensive backs. And uh, Gavin's going to need some help. And staying on schedule, to go back to your earlier point, Bobby, that is going to be huge uh, for Rutgers in that regard because then you can sort of scheme open if you're Kirk Shiraka, some of the easier throws, some of the quicker throws, um, Mm -hmm. you know, especially with a potential mismatch in the trenches. Um, you don't want to have those long developing plays take a few seconds, Gavin waiting for someone to throw downfield. That's not going to work for Rutgers. I don't think in this matchup. Uh, so I think that's, that's going to be a big part of the game plan. Not that you want to get off schedule in other games, but especially here, it's going to be important, uh, for Rutgers. If, if, uh, the offense is going to get any real production going in this matchup. And it's going to be a good test for Gavin as well, because you've seen him progress through the first three games. Now the the competition raises quite a bit. So how does he go through his progressions? How does he go through his reads? Does he hurry it? Does he force it? Does he stay poised? Does he stay calm? You know, I talked to him after Tuesday's practice and I asked him if he was doing anything differently uh, from last year in preparation for these games. And he told me he was working on his breathing and, um, you know, just simple things like that, you know, trying to calm himself during the game. He said he might do it if he gets too excited, if he gets a little down and just kind of take a moment, almost meditate. And he was a 19 year old kid that's telling me this. So, um, this is shows the growth, and I talked about that at length. You know, it, yes, he he's not going to hit every pass, but you can see that type of growth and that type of maturity, and that's what you want in your quarterback. Because after all, he's your leader on the field, and um, you know, still learning, still growing. But you know, I like the direction he's taken, and and you know, we'll see though. You know, how do, does he? You know, does he keep that composure when he's out there getting rushed by you know, arguably the best defense in the country, Chris? Yeah, good point, Bobby. I think that's going to be a, a key thing to watch, too, is not just, you know, the physical aspect and just the football aspect, but also mentally, you know, um, running an offense uh, at the Big Ten level is uh, not an easy task under the best of circumstances. And when you're in a tough environment against a really good Michigan defense, um, you know, mm-hmm. those challenges can get even worse just as a player. So uh, being able to manage that, uh, especially for a younger quarterback, too, um, I think that's going to be huge. Um you know, I think that's going to be a big factor as well. Um, one other point I wanted to get into, um, I actually took uh, some time this afternoon and uh, broke down all of the stats, team stats, and some individual stats as well uh, in terms of how Rutgers has done so far this year in a bunch of different categories and how they stack stack up uh, compared to their peers in the Big Ten and to a certain extent uh, just on a whole of FBS. I know it's a little hard to compare 130 teams, different schedules, but uh, we took our best crack at it. Um, so, all right, Bobby, we're going to do a little offense, a little defense here. You ready? Let's go. All right. We'll start with the defense because that has been, uh, I don't think anyone will disagree with that. That has been the strong suit of this Rutgers team. 10 points per game allowed through three games. That is number three in the Big Ten, number seven in all of FBS uh, through three weeks. Um, and, and, you know, that is just, you know, 
you, you talk about Rutgers, you know, they haven't played, you know, a ton of really, really good teams yet, but even against a team like a Virginia tech or a Northwestern, it's still very hard to limit a team to 10 points. So I think Rutgers deserves a lot of credit for the job they've done so far in that regard. Yeah. And you know, it, you take away that final drive at Northwestern, they have a goose egg on the board. If, you know, I hate to call them out, but if Rashad Rochelle doesn't fumble that punt with, you know, four minutes to play, you know, you're looking at a shutout. <laughs> That's true, too. Um, also, I think it's worth getting a little deeper into the numbers in terms of, uh, uh, you know, where the defense is really excelling. It's really been the rushing defense, uh, you know, that defensive line, mm-hmm. the linebackers as well, uh, who have done a really good job. Uh, 69.7 yards per game allowed on the ground. That's number 12 in the country, number two in the Big Ten. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, and that, of course, carries over to the passing game because, like we talked about, the importance of staying on schedule with your drives. If you knock a guy back first, second down, uh, behind where they're supposed to be, you've got a lot of third and longs, uh, you know, second and longs, lower percentage situations, and that makes it easier for the Max Meltons, Robert Longer Beams, Flip Dixons, you name it, of the world to go out and do their job. So that kind of thing um, sort of complements one another, and and I think you're seeing that with this Rutgers team, Bobby. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. You know, it, coaches often talk about, you know, first down, get to second and manageable, you know, third and more manageable. Um, when you're taking them out of that situation, I mean, you saw it against Virginia Tech, the quarterback was running, Drones was running, but, you know, a lot of times he had so much yards to make up on third down and it, it was all for naught. So, uh, I, big key, if, if they can if they can force Michigan in those situations, it'll be huge, just just huge. And um, yeah, I think you can count on them to dial up some blitzes and do some interesting things. I, I don't think you're just going to come out and see a base base defense uh, i think you'll see them really try to dig in and, and and try and run some unique things on the defensive side of the football chris yeah and i think uh, i'm excited to see that uh as the season goes on as well um in terms of the passing offense and you know this is um a bit of an asterisk because the one game uh against uh, virginia tech does skew it a bit because rutgers did almost everything on the ground in that game um, right now, 135 yards per game of offense. That's uh, number 13 in the Big Ten. Um, you, you saw um, Gavin Wimsett, you know, have a little bit more of a rhythm in the first two games. And the reason why I'm pointing this stat out is to point out that stats don't always tell the whole story and that I think most people would agree, um, you know, um, this passing offense has shown a potential to be a lot better than it, the numbers would indicate. And I think you're going to see Rutgers improve in the passing game as the season goes on. And, you know, one of the most important stats is zero turnovers through three yeah. games. And, and um, you know, I guess that's got to be number one in the country, right? No turnovers. <laughs> Tied for number um, one in the country in FBS. I'm sure they have some company. I don't have a stat sheet. But, you know, you can't stress the importance, uh, you know, of, you know, you have to protect the football and, and they haven't given it away. And I mean, you just look back at the Iowa game last year, you know, you gave them two touchdowns off of, uh, you know, interception and a fumble. So um, that right there was the game. And, you know, they haven't done it. They've played smart. And that's a sign, Chris, of a, of a team that's getting more mature, that's growing. In the past, you, you know, you'd, you'd see them make those dumb throws or whoever was in quarterback and, and or you'd see guys cough the ball up. It's not happening. You have more confident, mature, seasoned players who, who are doing what they have to. Now, when they play teams with, you know, like I said, with, with more talent than them, it's, it's hard to compensate in all facets of the game. But that area is something that they can really, you know, hang their hat on. Yeah, definitely. And I think another thing to point out, too, is, um, 
you know, some of the more specific stats here. Third down conversions, Rutgers so far, 22 of 46. That's uh, 47.8%. Uh, that's number four in the Big Ten. So pretty good company there. Uh, tied for 33rd in uh, all of FBS. Um, fourth down conversions. I haven't seen Rutgers go for the time. Fourth down, three of three when they do. Um, fourth down mm-hmm. defense, five of ten. Um, and, and actually, to go down a little bit more here, uh, I think this is uh, the interesting one. Takeaways, six takeaways so far this year. That's tied for top 25 in uh, in all of uh, Division One FBS. Tied for second in the Big Ten. Um, that's something that Greg Shano prides himself on, prides his defenses on being able to do is take away the ball. And so far, Rutgers has been able to do that at a relatively high clip. And um, that's going to be a key for this defense going forward. Yeah, and... You know, it allows them to to keep the football, too, and that time of possession helps build, and that's been big through the first three games as well, Chris. So, um, you know, if they can continue to to move the football to eat up clock, you know, it works into their advantage, and, and you know, it keeps that defense rested, and, and they're going to have to find a way. Even if, you know, they don't have every scoring drive, the three and outs is what hurt them in the past. So uh, you really have to avoid that. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that reliance on the run game has also been huge in that respect, just from a clock management, fatigue management uh, aspect. And it also goes back to the point we were making about, um, you know, the offensive yardages. If you're holding the ball longer, naturally that's going to result in fewer snaps, which results in yardage and so on. Um, so, and the stats don't always tell the whole story at the top line. You kind of have to dig a little bit deeper. Um, and looking at some of the others, one thing to go back to our point about the offensive line, Bobby, and I thought this was a really interesting one. Um, Rutgers has only allowed one sack in three games. Um, that's tied for the big 10 lead, um, and 12, uh, tackles for loss. That's, uh, tied for, uh, number six in the big 10. So those are two categories where, um, you know, to the extent that you can use stats to evaluate all line play and, you know, it's kind of hard position in that regard. Uh, but to the extent that you can, um, it looks like Rutgers, kind of passes the eye test as a a more organized, more consistent, more efficient offensive line. Yeah, and they they have improved. Uh, Like I said, though, I'm curious to see how they do against Michigan because I wasn't overly impressed with the first couple or the first few defensive lines they played. Um, So it's a huge step up. And if they can handle themselves, I'm not saying they have to blow them off the ball every play, play, but, you know, they 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 definitely need to 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 show some you know show some movement show some show something right you, you definitely um see an improvement through the first three games how much of an improvement we'll find out on Saturday yeah and on that note um, Bobby any final thoughts before we send things uh, out for this episode and get you set up for Rutgers and Michigan on Saturday I think that. Uh, you know, three and zero start, and I've been doing this, you know, a long time, Chris. This is, you know, I started in 07, so I've seen, I've seen different uh, beat writers come and go, and it's still there. And um, I've seen quick starts, and and, and I'm talking about more recently. You know, it, it throw out the the pre two 2014 years. Um, in the beginning of the year, they you know they win a, win a couple games. Last year they won three games, but I, it's been a long time since they felt like they really controlled those games and really went in there and, and, and executed their game plan and did everything. Didn't make the mistakes. It has a different feel to it. Now, are they going to go up and upset Michigan? I I don't think so, but you have a feel that they're really starting to move the needle and really starting to, to move this thing forward. So I, I think that's the, the biggest takeaway from the first three weeks is they did what they had to do. And I mentioned it in our last podcast and some of those previous years, you know, 
Kyle Manungai doesn't run for 55 yards. He takes the inside, uh, you know, he doesn't bounce it outside. He takes it inside and gets tackled and they have to kick. And then they're worried it's 21, 16 game. And you know what I mean? It goes the other way. So things like that are breaking their way this year. And, and it's not just because of luck though. It's because they have these guys in the system. They have these veterans, they're seasoned, um, they're growing, they're developing. And, and you're starting to see it in this production, like plays like that just don't, you know, happen by accident. And there's a lot of plays over the course of a game. And you might look at one play and say, well, you know, this is the play that decided. And no, there's a lot of smaller ones and, and they're, they're executing. They're not making the, the undisciplined mental mistakes. You know what I mean? They're, they're a well-conditioned team. You know, they're leaning on guys in the fourth quarter. So I, I think that is the biggest uh, takeaway that I had from the first three weeks. And there's a lot of excitement, enthusiasm, and, and more confidence than I've seen in at least the fan base uh, going into this Michigan game, like maybe, maybe they have a chance at, at it, you know, and, and you couldn't say that in years past. Yeah. And it's worth pointing out after Michigan, you know, we talk about Wagner, but then uh, you've got some matchups that look, um, you know, they're harder for sure. But you talk about like Michigan state, for instance, even, you know, some of those road trips like Wisconsin that, you know, in past years, it would look really daunting. I think there's more confidence among the fan base that maybe Rutgers, especially on defense can really make that a tough game. And, you know, if you get into the second half and late of a game, uh, you know, then it becomes a lot easier to, you know, come up with the win um, in mm-hmm. those hostile environments. So I think um, I think that's an encouraging sign, too. And I think um, the schedule does after Michigan, you don't quite get to that level of opponent again until November. Uh, and I think that there's a stretch there where Rutgers could really uh, get some good momentum going into that final stretch. And that's why it's another reason important is to try to stay as healthy as possible. I know there's some things you just can't control, but if they can get out of this game healthy, that's a win in itself. Exactly. And in that note, we will wrap up the Scarlet Nation podcast. As a reminder, you can get the latest Rutgers football and basketball news right here at ScarletNation.com. You can also uh, hop on the message boards and interact with uh, Bobby, myself, uh, Brian Doan, everyone else. Uh, across the 24-7 Sports Network. Uh, So be sure to do that and get the latest info right there. And that does it for us here. This is the Scarl Nation podcast. We'll talk to you again next time.